please understand I have a disability, not a disease. You can't catch it. I may walk, talk, and move differently than you do, but on the inside, I'm not so different. This quote comes from Sharice, who is living with cerebral palsy. I'm Raleigh. And I'm Danielle. And this is Unstuck, the special ed podcast. Oh, good evening, ladies. Good evening. Oh, ladies, we've got a special guest in house today. We do. We have an we have our uh, an announcement to make today. Oh, okay. I don't know if um, do you want me to do the honors? Sure, go okay. for it. We have a um, a new position that we've created <laughs> called the director of special operations. So you keep changing. <laughs> well, it was the director of special projects. No, you really want to be operations? No, you do. It is director of special projects. Director of special projects. Our the DOSP, Lauren, who is excellent at. Um, craftery and she's creativity. very creative. creative. So we're hoping that she could help bring us along as it relates to some of our social media stuff into the 21st century. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. into like just getting stuff posted for people yes. because I do think that that is something we're missing. So um, Lauren is here to celebrate her uh, <laughs> her internship, <laughs> her volunteer work because <laughs> we don't pay yes, people here. Very excited. <laughs> Thank you. So, and uh, yeah, so here we are today uh, talking about physical disability. Oh, before that, I oh, thought you had another shout-out. Oh, sorry, I have one more shout-out. My other shout-out is that we are close to 15,000 downloads, which wow. I think is great. Because we went up 5,000 pretty quickly, so thank mm-hmm. you everyone for listening. Um 935 downloads come from NA of the United States of America, so I'm hoping <laughs> that's just anywhere. Um, yeah. But Clinton... <clears throat> In some state, Chicago, New York, and LA are top wow. cities that Those are, are big listening. Cities. So, um, thanks if it's everyone. Clinton, Connecticut, shout out to you. I love Clinton, Connecticut. If it's Clinton, Mass. Shout v- out to vacation you. Vacation down there. <laughs> I believe you're close to Worcester, Clinton, Mass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe so. Clinton is like Springfield. Yes, you know it's just in every Simpsons town. Springfield small. because every <laughs> it's in every state. Every town, I said. Every state. It's in every town. It's in every town. Yeah, it's very common. There's a Springfield in every town. Yeah. So, yeah, today's topic is um, very near and dear to our hearts. Um, Lauren has some personal experience with um, a person with a physical disability, and Raleigh's done a lot of work uh, in the past with, with kids with physical and physical disability, mm-hmm. disabilities and cognitive challenges as well. Yeah, and rare um, syndromes and disorders that you don't typically see um, in a general ed setting, I would say. So, yeah. I have, I have not a ton of experience in that area, but I'm along for the ride and I'm ready to <laughs> pitch in. So, Lauren, do you want to talk about how you got into your world and sort of what you're doing? Yeah. Um, so before I ever thought I'd be a special ed teacher, I thought I was going to be a nurse. But in college, I needed a summer job and I thought I was going to... Uh, teach art and <laughs> cheerleading, I, I think, or gymnastics. <laughs> I, it was not very clear, but it was a summer job through the, through the town that I live in. And um, with um, things, budget cuts and everything, I wasn't able to, um, that program, the whole program got shut down or whatever. And I got a job as a one-to-one with a boy who I think was in I think it was in fifth grade. Then he went to sixth grade. I did it for two summers. Um, but he had cerebral palsy and he was nonverbal. 
um, in a wheelchair, um, one of six kids. Um, wow. wow. Another brother, also oh. nonverbal. Um, I'm not sure exactly like what his diagnosis was, but coming to camp was like the best thing ever. And as his one-to-one, um, you're kind of like that person's voice in a way. Um, where, yeah, I definitely I fell in love with that and. Then I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna be a special ed teacher where I met the OT that worked with him and I met the speech pathologist and I learned all about AFOs, the little mm-hmm. braces mm-hmm. that go on their legs and all the different um, equipment um, that they're able to use to help um, kids integrate with like their peers. Um, I will tell you a story because I did <laughs> not have any training at all, um, but it everything went very it's, it's well. It's okay now, though. <laughs> yeah. I was like, everything went very well. Um, I was so excited for this one particular student to have a walker, and he was he was so excited. And I had put him in the walker in the gym with all the other kids, and I uh, I forget what they. Were, playing I don't know if you guys called it bombardment oh or yes it was like, bombardment. Um, like a dodgeball yeah oh, okay, <laughs> we did call it bombardment awesome yeah and um <laughs> I put him in, in and like oh my gosh it was awesome and um but no one I didn't even I didn't even know those things existed and but then once I did I was like oh this is great this is great and I had put him in there and he was ha- like so so happy and like exerting so much energy that he did not ever do because mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. you know especially coming from a family like his own like that's not happening every day and um maybe people not being trained to do that every day or whatnot but whatever so I put him in there and he's running around the gym and his walker um which is like a harness, it holds his like, it's a gate, um, mm-hmm. I forget, I also know the word like alligator for like gate, uh, different uh, walkers and stuff. And he was so dehydrated and oh, he yeah. lost all the color in his face and I felt so bad. I was like, oh my God. And he, he ended up getting dehydrated and which was a whole nother issue. Yeah. But I mean, he was, he was absolutely fine. And, uh, the nurse, she was, the nurse that I worked with was amazing. She was super helpful. And, uh, yeah, it was, I'll never forget that. And that's <laughs> Did he have like, uh, like a communication device at the time or was that? Um, so he did not. That's because I know technology is, has come like so far mm-hmm. in such a short period of time for kids that yeah, but you would think back that I mean that wasn't that long ago. No, it that, wasn't. There should have yeah, that's interesting. After two thousand eight or mm. no, uh, before, so no, he didn't. And if anything, it was like um, a switch mm-hmm. yes. where it yeah. was just two choices. But I think at that age, at where he was cognitively there, where he needed something a little higher mm-hmm. because he felt like when people showed him that, and I feel like I just kind of ended up knowing him a lot better. 
Um, I think that makes him feel like a child or like a little baby and he, mm. he didn't like it. He didn't like using it and like he wants to be as um, included yeah. as he could with his peers and that was definitely something that he didn't, like he was not interested and he knew and he would, nope, I, he would put his head away, like no, I'm not doing that. Like yeah. I'm not a five-year-old. I'm like, okay, I understand that yeah. and which we did end up getting to work on. I was going to say that. Nice. I feel like that's such a challenge all around for kids who have special needs. Like, I don't mean special need, like special needs kids. Kids who have special yeah. things that they need that they they struggle with with feeling different. How do you how do you say like you need this? Let's try to find a way to normalize it as much as possible so it doesn't feel so stigmatizing. Mm-hmm. It's and and I and I feel like kids with physical disabilities already have just a natural stigma because mm-hmm. physically you can with kids with mental health stuff you don't necessarily see it on right, their face right. you don't so but the motivation I, I mean I you know I think specifically for kids with um, physical disabilities that have some you know cognitive strengths is that they're they're really tied into what their peers are doing and so your story of being able to participate in the game with peers is the motivating factor so if you were to provide some kind of communication device or something that was different but maybe did seem a little young or but seeing that you can connect with peers through that I mean I've worked with kids with um, cerebral palsy and many other kinds of syndromes and, and disorders and disabilities and that is such a huge piece for kids that have that cognitive ability to be able to connect and so when you see that motivation of well people are including me they understand I'm a part of this I mean imagine just sort of being that on the outskirts of all of that and not being able to relate and now you're being included in it and I think it's there's nothing more motivating than that so if there's a way to adapt things which is what's so fascinating and different about like for example OTs in the physical disabilities world is you're really looking at like a lot of assistive tech and adapting and being really modifying things um, and it's such a cool um, aspect of OT like I you know I worked I was really lucky to work with somebody who was very knowledgeable in that and how to modify wheelchairs how to modify seating how to modify um, just the the environment um, it's such an interesting aspect and being able to kind of make it so that kids feel really included and really part of the flow of things would it be uh, this is around as someone who with limited experience I only worked I think one summer with kids with cognitive and physical disabilities for summer camp that's mm-hmm. I was like 21 <laughs> and I needed a job and I was a substitute teacher in elementary school for the beginning of the year and then they mm-hmm. switched me over for the summer but <clears throat> if you gave some of those tools to other kids to yeah. initiate that with the student who mm-hmm. needs it mm-hmm. do you think that would be something that so like if you're in the gym class and they need some sort of communication device could you give a willing Student, the AAC, the AAC device, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. The like speech device, yeah. and then like yeah. just have it, yeah. Share it with him proactively and have it naturally happen versus like a teacher saying like you have yes, to use definitely. this. Definitely, definitely. Like I feel like there's something like that that could that could happen. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that benefits like both of the students because mm-hmm. um, the student with the needs that uh, needs that specific communication device, I. Also, another summer camp, I worked with a student who was blind and um, cognitively lower, and the sweetest, oh my gosh, she was so sweet, <laughs> and the kids, their, his peers loved helping him, yeah. and um, 
he was way more willing to engage in different things, even just, you know, like going to the playground because initially if it was if it was just him and I, like I wasn't very cool and fun. So <laughs> he would No, I don't wanna do that. I'm just gonna sit over here and but if a peer came up and is showing him like different they have like different colored backgrounds and all this stuff and different um color like velcro stuff and um he did a lot of different communication devices even for uh, academics too like on the ipad um but if they came up and did it oh yeah he was like totally willing to yeah i'll go on the i'll go on the playground or i'll go on the swings um whereas like I'm, I was not as motivating because he knows who, why I'm there, but he wants to be part of yeah. the yeah. group and with his peers and stuff. Well, I think, too, like something that's interesting that just came to my brain is that I feel like in some ways that people are more prepared for kids to have physical and cognitive disabilities, so it's much less stigmatizing I don't know if that's the right word like it's mm -hmm. less like invasive in a way because they have this assumption that if they have these physical impairments they must have these cognitive mm -hmm. impairments and I think to your point of telling this story which I think is really moving and motivating is that there's an assumption there's this assumption out there that kids who have physical disabilities aren't that are nonverbal with physical disabilities or limited verbally have this cognitive delay and it's like why can't they engage in a science class at their grade level why can't they push in and be more integrated more just because they can't talk and mm -hmm. they need a special way to get there why aren't they able to access the curriculum just like other kids well you also have i think in that situation <clears throat> excuse me you have um i think there's a lot more that we understand to provide for kids with those challenges that can enable their participation and can enable them to be more included. I think when you talk about some of the mental health challenges that might be more silent, more internal, and you know, kids are withdrawn, it's harder to pull them out of that, even with peers, even with you know, preferred activities. It's sometimes it's harder to catch them up in something that's gonna motivate them. And we can't, you know, it's not like it's about getting the right communication device, getting the right, you know, um, type of gate. Um, training mm -hmm. activity, you know, getting the right supports to make them more successful in a physical activity. It's not, it's something that's so much more nuanced and so much more challenging to do. And I think that, you know, as, as far as being like, from my, my viewpoint of an OT, I think it's, it's, it feels like more successful in some ways to be able to provide these ideas and this problem solving when it comes to the physical aspect versus the mental health, because that's such a different thing that you're, you're trying to you know, catch and try to work with. Right, and so it's interesting to me that we're not um, engaging in that more. Right. And we're, you know, just, and, and I'm not, okay, so taking a step back, and I'm, because I'm, tr I, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to offend anyone or make it seem, to me, there's like this overarching theme of, and, and I think this is across many of our podcasts, of like limiting students and that learned helplessness because mm -hmm. of that fear of change, that fear of taking risks, and so, you know, I don't want to be the teacher, and just theoretically, I don't want to be the teacher taking a risk on allowing this student who has this cognitive impairment who's nonverbal in sixth grade, where we have a team of people, I'm the one allowing him in my science class. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and what mm -hmm. if my other team members are afraid? Of, like, I don't know. I don't know what it could be. I think there is, you know, with change, I think there's always a change of lo uh, fear of loss. And so is it like, 
if I have to pay attention to this student, is that going right. to limit the other kid? Like, and, it, and it's to no fault of anyone. I think everyone wants to include these students as much as possible. So I don't, I'm not saying that people are doing this positive because intent. they don't want to. There is positive intent. It's just how do we go about it and how do we get the larger community to be able to engage in that? I mean, the fear could also be coming, stemming from the kids too. I'm not just saying this is an adult problem. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem at all. It's an adult, like, how do we get over this hump? I think it could come from the kids too, who are scared to use the technology or the tools that they need to be, to access those general ed classrooms that aren't, let's say, electives, like mm-hmm. the sciences, the maths, all of that, so. Yeah, I think um, the more, uh, used to the modif- um, not modifications, accommodations, accommodations and like communication devices or the one-to-one support that you're with, that the more comfortable that these students become with that, then um, the more willing they'll be to use it. And then, so say a student um, goes into a classroom and they want to communicate something, but they feel so different um, to either ask for it or either use it, or even if that teacher, whether they're a special ed teacher or not, um, is familiar with it, I think that plays a huge part in it. Because if someone just has, say a teacher, whoever they, what kind of teacher they are, like. Even in art class, like I view, or for OT, like I had, um, <laughs> again, another story. Um, the This particular student that I worked with, hate, did not like people touching his hands. He had to take art. He had to take art, and we had this nice little um, grip for him to use for the paintbrush. And he was able to tell me that he didn't like art, but like, eventually as time went on and things were familiar and accessible for him from the art teacher from me from his teacher when he got back to class and asking oh how how was our class what did you make when he got home too and his parents like are hanging up his artwork and he's feeling good about that that this is it's one of his favorite classes yeah. now yeah, which is how that works yeah which is something that from a non-verbal, um, lower cognitive student or child, uh, they felt so, they were so against something and then all of a sudden like everyone across your whole daily life is telling you, oh yeah, like how was that? And, and what did you do today? And it's like very normalized. that they become more um, kind of yeah, yeah. motivated to do that into something that he actually loves now. Well, I almost feel like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, this is, you know, I have a couple of thoughts, but I'll go with this one. Um, this is something I actually speak about a lot with kids that not, don't have physical challenges. It's just that self-esteem piece. So I always think about how when they see themselves succeed, they're ready to take on the next challenge. And so that's such an important piece just universally of noticing that, you know, the more success, the less anxious, the more you're willing to take the next step and take a challenge on. Um, the other thing I was thinking is, you know, when you're presenting something unique that other kids, maybe the more neurotypical kids, haven't 
used, maybe they're getting to experience that, you know, cool grip on the paintbrush or, you know, the, the switch or whatever it may be, whatever, you know, adaptation or modification or accommodation that you can utilize with the kids where you're, you as the instructor, the teacher, or the para, whatever, you're showing everybody how to use it and everybody's taking a turn with it. So oh, you it's, mean it's universal not, design. Universal design, yeah. So it's not becoming a stigma where it's like, oh, this kid gets this and like that's, you know, odd to us. It's just part of the well, it's, part of the day. That's exactly what when I when we jumped in at the same time was yeah. what I was gonna say is that there are some things that yes, you have to make note of with students, whatever. There are there are many more that you just create it as a normalized piece of your classroom, whether you mm -hmm. offer it to all students as a universal design for learning, or you just say it's not a big deal, everyone learns in their own way, mm -hmm. and let it go, and don't let kids. What I see a lot of is people not knowing how to respond to things mm -hmm. that are different, and so then it's yeah. like, oh, well, and then they're over-explaining, and then it mm -hmm. becomes a bigger deal, and now it's like, now talk about stigma, mm -hmm. instead of just being like, oh, everyone learns at their own pace, mm -hmm. everyone learns in their own way, and just sort of, like, dropping it at that point. Mm -hmm. And if other kids are talking about being like, we all we just talked about this, kids learn at their own place, mm -hmm. pace and moving on. And I, and I think that with the piece that you said, access to anyone, why can't other kids use a paintbrush? Yeah, because, you know, you're going to find, especially, like, younger kids are going to yeah. want to use whatever, any, you right. know, whatever the cool thing is. that. And that at some point, they'll get over it because it's not a for them right. and so they'll be like eh, well, they won't. We try to, yeah. or they're they going to say like hey and now they're including the, the other yeah. student that needs that to be more successful that we made out of cup before. right we're all doing this together or you know it's there's so many ways to make that successful and I think you know it's I just it's Lauren I hear these stories you share and I just I've had so many students like that who mm -hmm. you know it's like oh, I'm not doing that you know and they're pushing your hand away mm -hmm. they're turning their head away they're moving away from you in some way they're definitely showing their displeasure with your um, attempts but the more that they feel that agency because again you know these kids are still very present very much wanting to show I have control over something I am here, I am an agent of, you know, how I'm doing these things and I'm I'm the one that's controlling this and, and in this body. And the more that we can give them that feeling that that was a choice they made, they're seeing the success with it, they're feeling like they can now make the next steps that they need to make and it's super um, empowering. It is, and then that self-esteem shoots mm -hmm. right up. Mm -hmm. I think of the inclusive piece that districts can help provide for these specific students that aren't able to verbalize or the families aren't able to advocate for them um, where for students that maybe are nonverbal or have physical disabilities they have um, specific days or classes um, where they're either educating their peers that specific students peers um, about their disability and um, and one particular experience where I keep <laughs> keep sharing these. Um, it was about a neurological disability and um, they had a, oh man, it's slipping my mind. Um, the, like a, this is gonna bother me, a vision board where, sorry, not vision board, but using their eyes, not pecs, um, Toby, Toby, and they use their eyes to communicate, and it's very similar to, um, like, board maker, the same pictures and everything, but using their eyes um, because they can't move any other piece of their 
body intentionally. And um, I loved that the opportunity for the student's parent was able to come in and kind of help or support. And I also was able to do that too, to um, explain and kind of have like a little um, tutorial, I guess, for students in that um, particular student's classroom. And the first question asked was, um, what's everyone's favorite color? The student said, using his Toby eye gaze board, that his favorite color was blue. The next question asked was, whose favorite color is blue? And it was nice to see that you know, like half the students raising their hands. And I think this was a third, second grade class at the time. Um, Sorry, the ice machine's going off. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, that about like half of those students raising their hand, like their favorite color was blue. And it was just nice to make that connection mm -hmm. with the student who's not verbally saying it or, physically going up and showing them, but um, and kind of educating them on ways that he can show them what he likes or um, what he dislikes or even his favorite music, like when he didn't want to do work. Um, <laughs> there was a YouTube station that he could just go on and I knew that he was like, no, I'm not, I'm not ready to do work because I'm gonna play this song instead. So there's a lot of different ways to kind of show their emotions right, but you can think about that asserting that independence and asserting mm -hmm. that will you know like i want to be able to do this and i'm gonna do it and mm -hmm. i have this power now to do this that's huge mm -hmm. that's so that's cool. amazing that's yeah. awesome all right so thanks lauren for joining us oh my gosh that was very informative for me yeah, so, it was wonderful uh, do you have a Thank good you nothing like nothing like some good anecdotes of your you know personal experiences i think that really I is uh the, i think the, the story yeah the stories you tell are i'm sure everyone's relating to them right now suddenly i feel like that npr skit from snl that was really you mean neat. delicious dish that was neat <laughs> neat that was neat it was delicious that dish was neat. Um, sweaty balls <laughs> oh no that was a different one no I that's the one. Oh, okay. well i mean that's <laughs> the neat. one i've seen yeah they've, neat. they've had a couple the couple a couple of them <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! All right. All right. So the levity portion of the of the episode. Um, would you rather have all traffic lights you approach be green or never have to stand in line again? Line. Yeah. Oh, I'm with green the green traffic light. See, I'm with the oh. line as well. Oh, I can't. Oh. I hate waiting in line. I hate traffic, but I can find my way around it. I can find my way around. I think you know, You got me thinking. But I think the line. Mm. The lines what came to my mind first. <sighs> There's some days. Some, well, how about those when, days? when you stand in a line, but then someone forms a new line, and then that person cuts you off and says, can I just go ahead of you? I really appreciate it. And then you don't want to be the person that's like, no, you can't go ahead of me. I mean, I happen to be in my car. I don't car think you have a green light. Yeah, see, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I, I happen to be in my car today, but this is a lines piece. Oops. Um, <laughs> the guy in front of me, I was trying to pull in, take a right. And he stopped just before I could take a right, but there was space in between because he was letting all the other people mm. go into the car wash. Mm. And I was like, you're letting all see, these people go. See, would that apply to not having to wait in line? Yes. So that's why I said, that's yeah, what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The line, I was getting Even so though it had to do with, with traffic? Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't traffic because he could have just well, moved just up. Saying. Instead, he was stopping me from mm -hmm. allowing me mm -hmm. to go. Whatever. He was but being Lord, a But Lauren, you prefer person. to always have green lights. 
I would say maybe from because of my route home from work, where sometimes I don't know, like I'm just. But what if it's green light with traffic? Well, what did it say? Because then it's all green lights, but you can't get through them. Sometimes I'm like, it just said have them be green. It just said have the lights be green. Where somehow I'm like, all right, this is going to be green. This is going to be green. You could have backed up traffic at a green light. Very true. But you know, we're now we're really dissecting. Yeah, no, yeah. We're going to say to you, you could approach the green light and go right through. All right. I'm going green light. I'm still going line. I can't. All right. I like. I like that. There's difference of opinion. Me too. I'll look at the end cap. Okay. All right. So. Max. I mean, they have a, an efficient line system. Yes, they Not do. to go off topic a little bit, but, like, <laughs> them, like, calling people out and yeah. having, like... Mm-hmm. I, sometimes I look at that line and I'm like, crap, that's going to be a while. But it never is. Mm-hmm. It's a very efficient line system. I agree. Anyway. <laughs> so, we digress. Uh, thanks all for listening. Welcome on board, Lauren. Hopefully our social media will improve with three of us all supporting this endeavor. Let me endeavor. write this down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a note. Follow us on uh, our social media pages, and we will be expanding per our New Year's resolution starting January 1st, which is coming right around the corner for us. Can we say the third? Yeah, it's fine. The third. The third. The The third. Well, that's when this comes out. This will come out the third. So that, right? No, second. It'll Mm -hmm. come out the second. Uh, Maybe the third. We'll see. We'll Maybe see. the third. We'll see. Second, I'll be not here. For all of us. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Thanks all for listening at Unstuck Podcast One. We appreciate you. Bye. 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 Thank you.